everybody welcome this is the common thread collective here on mutinyradio.fm i'm global val and diamond dave our far out far flung correspondent will be calling in in a little while he's uh, on his cost country summer summer tour um he's actually going to be calling in from minnesota Dinky Town in Minneapolis, uh, where he uh, where he grew up actually, um, and of course there he's a local legend as well. But I'm happy that we're here at Mutiny Radio and our friends are showing up here um, in the studio. So yeah, feel free to come on down. This is a community open mic. Uh, we do want to hear what you have to say or some music that you want to play, um, some activism to share, some insight. Uh, 
or just come and hang out in our funky little space at 21st and Florida here in the Mission District of San Francisco. And at the beginning of every show here, uh, despite all of the crazy out of control, seemingly out of control situations happening uh, in our backyard and around the planet, um, you know, we hope to address those things and move toward a, a better world. Um, and, and we do that through a lot of positivity. And that comes through at the beginning of every episode of the Common Thread Collective with Ubi Doobie Whitaker, Diamond Dave's oldest son, singing along and, and telling us everything's going to be all right.
Hey, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, you're listening to the Common Thread Collective. And, uh, well, it's a going to be a great day. It already is. Um, we're going to be hearing from Diamond Dave pretty soon. We're going to be hearing, hearing from a guest that we had Chicago uh, Curtis last month, or last, sorry, sorry, last week, um, professor and poet Peter Dale Scott. Uh, he'll be calling in in a few minutes as well uh, to share some of his poetry, and I know he's got something special for us today. A um, little, little heavy on, on the, uh, on the uh, reality side, I believe, but it's going to be good. And I'm sure the conversation will be, uh, well, it'll give us a lot to think about. Um, And uh, I see that we've also got some friends who've shown up here. Sarah Powell came back. She was here last week talking about her work down in Greece and Turkey with the refugees. Um, So she's going to come on in a little bit and talk to us about that. And I see Dan Brady, poet Dan Brady, showed up. Uh, he's the host of the Sacred Grounds Open Mic every Wednesday at Sacred Grounds Cafe over in the near the Panhandle. Um, so I'm sure we'll have some some great words and fun with Dan Brady. So I'm going to play a little music here for you, um, and uh, be right back. Right. 
of course, a little Rage Against the Machine. Uh, I wanted to play a little Rage Against the Machine today, not only because they're badass, but also, of course, um, but also because Tom Morello, um, who was in Rage Against the Machine, is also his own crew, the Night Watchman. Um, he just announced that he's going to be going on a national tour uh, to bring attention to um, the horrendous trade agreement, uh, the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. So Tom Morello is going to be um, touring the city or touring the, the country um, to come out against the TPP. Um, the tour dates are going to be announced soon. Um, so so stay tuned for that. And um yeah, locations and dates and everything will be will be coming through. Um, so it's gonna it's coming out on a social uh, Morello social justice oriented label Firebrand, and the organization Fight for the Future are planning on releasing dates. Um, so stay tuned for that and follow Tom Morello and go to the concerts, and uh, it should be a hell of a show. Of course, the TPP, the Trans Pacific Partnership. This uh, secret trade agreement that was whose details were hatched out behind closed doors. Even the, even the U.S. Congress, senators, committee members were not allowed to see it uh, before it was finished um, because it's a it's a it's a corporate um, corporate designed uh, trade agreement um, that would you know that actually even the president came out on fucking uh, Jimmy Fallon the other night and, and pumped. Um, but it's a really it's a really terrible deal, and we can talk more about that coming up but uh, I'm gonna play a little music for you and answer the phone here and uh, we'll be right back
are listening to the Common Thread Collective here on MutinyRadio.fm, broadcasting live from 21st and Florida streets here in the Mission District of San Francisco. I'm Global Val, and uh, right now we've got uh, our guest interviewer here today, James Zealous, uh, who's a regular contributor to our to the show here and uh, a steady member of the Common Thread Collective. And on the phone, we're welcoming back. Happy to welcome back. Uh, poet and scholar uh, Peter Dale Scott, who's going to be sharing some poetry with us today. Hi, James. Global Val, thanks for having us. Oh, it's always a pleasure um, and always exciting to have intelligent conversation and poetry and uh, and see where the poetry takes us. And, and hopefully it's two moments of truth. I picked up a you know, I've got Fairlin Getty here, his book, What is Poetry? And uh, each each page just has a, a little a little uh comment on it. And uh, one of them says, words are living fossils. The poet should piece the wild beast together and make it sing. So welcome, uh, Peter Dale Scott on the phone. And James, take it away. Peter, are you on the line? Put your headphones on. Can, can you hear us, sir? Um, we, we, we're not hearing you too well. Um, perhaps a little closer to the phone. I heard, I heard you before when I just answered the phone, but we're having a little trouble hearing you, uh, on the broadcast here. Oh, Peter, there you are. It's good to hear your voice. Good to see hear you again. Well, here we are again. I wonder if we might hear some poems from your most recent publication, Tilting Point. Yes, I, you know, the, the bulk of that book is really one long poem sequence called Loving America. And I'd like to take out of it one section. The, the, whole, the, the whole thing is much too long and too complicated. Uh, my idea was quite simple. I was very influenced then by the, uh, the mission of Czesław Miłosz, who said he came from Poland, where poets really uh, have leverage on society, especially because in the history of Poland, there was 200 years they had no state. All they had was their culture. And poets were played a leading role in defining and steering that culture. And then he wrote, um, he won the Nobel Prize for poetry, and he gave some lectures at Harvard and said that he really reproved Western poetry, T.S. Eliot in particular, for writing very uh, highfalutin poetry that didn't reach people and didn't uh, show people what he called the way ahead. And so I tried to write poetry that I hoped would be accessible, reach many people, um, I enjoyed writing the poems. I can't say I was very successful in reaching many people, but uh, without describing the whole sequence, there's one poem in the middle of it, which is called Lament for a National Hero. And I was very interested in this particular man. He was uh, uh, Pat Tillman, who became an officer in the U.S. Rangers in Iraq and Afghanistan, <clears throat> which made him a hero for the right wing, but then uh, was appalled by the war that he saw 
and said so in his letters. And then he told his family that he wanted to talk, come back home and talk to Noam Chomsky, uh, which then obviously showed, made him a kind of a hero for the left. But that never happened because two weeks after he said that in an email to his family from Afghanistan, he was shot and killed, and initially we were told he was killed by enemy fire, but that was a lie. He was killed by friendly fire, and there have always been some people who wondered whether it was accidental friendly fire or whether he was murdered. There's one uh, veteran who told me that there were three bullet holes in his forehead within the space of a quarter. And if that's true, that doesn't exactly sound like accidental enemy fire. It sounds like he was taken out. Mm. Anyway, with all of that, do you have any questions before I start, James? Let's get into the poem. Okay. The poem is called Lament for a National Hero, and it's for Pat Tillman, who lived from 1976 until April 22, 2004. Read those you agree with for reassurance, but read your enemies for growth. Only by reading Norman Podoritz do I see that my vision of all peoples living as one in a peaceable kingdom is a vision born of plenty, as I myself experienced it inside an ivory tower. While for others, the world is a raft with too many people struggling to get aboard. And that I overlooked Ginsburg's defense of Peter Asti because, like myself, he was anti-war. Who is more anti-American? Podoritz, the pro-family advocate of preemptive attack on Saddam and his stores of chemical weapons, or Ginsburg, the anti-war proponent of sex with children. Podoritz once attacked the New York Review of Books for being anti-American, a charge I thought ridiculous at first, but the memory now comes back of that essay by Andrew Kopkind approving the riots of Newark and Detroit in the issue with a cover carrying a do-it-yourself sketch of a Molotov cocktail. Anti-American, certain. I'm sorry, anti-nonviolent, certainly, but anti-American. And I am reminded of Miwash rebuking me with a smile as he reminded me of the flames in my campus office building. But of course, Peter, you gave the enemy comfort. At the time, I could easily convince myself of my innocence, but I see now how every essay that I publish on drugs and banks is an invitation for online comments with anti-Semitic slurs. <clears throat> Yet, to write any poem encompassing this nation, one must have an awareness of gratuitous murder committed by released felons in uniform for sport without forgetting the grace of a doe drinking from a forest stream. 
we are not like the villagers I knew and loved in northern Thailand. We, in this domineering state, demented, as Whitman wrote, with the mania of owning things, cannot be unlike it in character. We are what we think, and as we think in community, using a language stained with crimes. And yet there is still this ground under the turbulent surface of the endless river where every one of us, of whatever decent tendency, can gather as if to be reborn and turn in the same direction to celebrate the honor of Corporal Pat Tillman, who gave up a lucrative NFL career to enlist as a ranger and fought in the Iraq War with, as he noted in his journal, little or no justification other than our imperial whim. And then, after emails about his desire to talk to Chomsky, only by sharing what we know can we become free, he was killed two months later by a comrade in friendly fire. Pat Tillman is like a relic of our past, a national hero, not like the hypocrites above him, as high as the level of Rumsfeld's office and eventually the White House, who, in an election year, ordered a cover-up, and then a cover-up of the cover-up, burning his clothes and his notebook before the autopsy, in what his ranger brother called a series of intentional falsehoods that meet the legal definition for fraud. That's what his brother had to say about this. <clears throat> With the destruction of evidence and three bullet holes in a tight cluster in the forehead, the doctor suspected criminal intent. Can we not all unite in honor of Pat Tillman against the hypocrites who, as could have been predicted, punished the men at the bottom, including the innocent, while General McChrystal of JSOC, whom the Army's own inquiry recommended be disciplined for giving misleading answers, and who had already presided over the torture and cover-up at Camp Nama, was promoted to the highest rank. So that's the end of the poem, but not the end of the series. It gets more optimistic towards the end of the series. Well, Peter, this seems to tie in what we were speaking about last week. You described a repressed memory that came back where you were seeking to interview someone who participated in moving heroin out of an Asian country. And as we look at Afghanistan and its increased opium production since the U.S. presence, your poem seems to beg the question, are we looking at an accidental killing poorly covered up or an intentional one very well covered up? Oh, yeah, well, um, uh, 
you know, these are fairly, these wars that have been fought recently, starting with Vietnam, but very much Iraq and Afghanistan, there's so much that had to be covered up. And uh, in the in the case of Vietnam and Afghanistan, of course, uh, one of the things that re really uh, they had in common, and in a sense financed the war, was the huge flow of opium and heroin out of the region, out, out of Indochina, not Vietnam specifically, but Laos behind it, um, which paid for the CIA's army in Laos. And then in Afghanistan, uh, it's paying really, it's, it's the main export, I believe still, it certainly was for many years after 2001. Uh, because of our intervention, uh, two interventions, the first one being back in 1980, uh, Afghanistan, which once wasn't part of a major part of the international drug market, uh, it, it is now the world's chief exporter of heroin and the world's chief exporter of hashish. Um, and we read in the media from time to time about how this supports the Taliban, which is true, but it also supports the Kabul government. And in fact, far more of the uh, heroin is being controlled by the supporters of the Kabul government than by the supporters of the Taliban. So that's, uh, you, that is never talked about, frankly, in the media, and is just one of the many ways in which what we're doing is really a great lie, just like what was we were doing in Vietnam was this, when we kept saying we were fighting for the freedom of the Vietnamese and what the Vietnamese were fighting for is to get us out of there. Uh, that was a lie too, of course, what we were doing there. You've written extensively about how it seems to be standard practice for security agencies to partner with the drug lords of destabilized third world countries because they have the resources, transportation all locked up. This is this uh, simply an extension of standard operating procedure? Uh, well, it, 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 it's pre pretty standard operation procedure for where we fight wars because um, we need assets there. Uh, these are wars which um, Congress would never vote the funds to support our clients in these states, and so we we make allies. The war is, uh, it's, it's interesting, the number of places where we have fought have uh, pretty well mirrored where drugs are coming from. Af the big examples are into China in the 50s and then Afghanistan since 1980. But another big example would be Colombia, Columbia. where we, we are not directly fighting, but have put millions and millions and millions of dollars into supporting uh, right-wing forces, paramilitary squads, some of them, frankly, death squads, but uh, organized in part by us. Um, is, is that just an accident that uh, we go where the drugs are coming from? I think that our presence uh, expands the production and export of, gut, of drugs there because, as you said, uh, we, we, if we fight a war, then there are any number of planes flying in and out. They fly the arms in. They don't come back empty. They come back with drugs. There was one famous case in Indochina where um, it was actually from Thailand, but it was part of the Vietnam War. 
uh, corpses from the war came back with uh, with uh, you know, heroin cashed in their coffins. I mean, they, uh, the the uh, infrastructure for the war became the infrastructure for the drug trade as well. It seems uh, providing your own financing is something that these security agencies uh, provide for themselves. Well, I'd say our wars are self-financing wars when they get involved with the drug trade that way. And I, another thing about them, they're self-perpetuating uh, self, uh, pro, wars because uh, we're creating the enemies that we fight. I mean, if we send a drone over uh, and kill somebody in uh, northwest Pakistan, <clears throat> there's a news headline about how we successfully took out some leader but uh, we made 20 new enemies by uh, killing not only him but his family and his neighbors and there are any number of experts uh, on terrorism and on al-qaeda and so on who said over and over and over that uh, this kind of tactic is uh, breeding enemies more quickly than it's taking them out i think there's no doubt of that uh, but on the other hand, if you want to have an army in Afghanistan, then you need to have an enemy, and this guarantees your enemy. Uh, a policy that's been described uh, on a Harry Shearer uh, news uh, podcast as the double tap would be a practice that does just that, creates the enemy. The drone hits the, uh, strikes the target and kills the, uh, the, um, the targets, but then the double tap process is to again bomb the location uh, moments later or hours later, uh, the thinking being that the comrades have come to the site when in reality it is the mourning and grieving kin who may be on site for that second strike. Yeah, I think there have been uh, certain, there have been a lot of criticisms of the way uh, the drone war has been fought. And I, it may be that they have tidied up uh, the details and to some extent to reduce the amount of what they call collateral damage, meaning the killing of innocent people. But uh, uh, we shouldn't be comforted by that because uh, one of the amazing things about Obama is that he's gone in for drone warfare in a huge way and it keeps expanding. And um, it's, uh, of course, uh, politically very convenient. You don't have, uh, you don't have anti-war riots here because there's no draft. There's no uh, people. People are not feeling the pain here. They're feeling the pain immensely in the countries where we bomb, and we are making enemies for America wherever we conduct this kind of warfare. And I, I think that uh, kind of speaks to part of the poem you read, uh, your tribute to Pat Tillman, um, talking about the, the framework, the language that that is used and uh, what kind of creates our, our national understanding of, of the world when the president talks about collateral damage or we talk about uh, soldiers who have died as war heroes um, and, and, and pay tribute in, in those ways. Um, and so the, the poetry that we've, that we've come to here is try to kind of undress that a little bit and to, to redress that. Oh, thank you for saying that, because, yes, I, I, in that passage, I say we are what we think. 
and as we are the way we think collectively. I'm more and more and more I am impressed with the way we are conditioned, and that would include me and probably you and uh, Jane Sellis there. We're all of us, uh, we, we can't resist being conditioned by what we listen to in and see in the media, TV, and so on. That's why some people say we shouldn't watch TV. Then, of course, we don't know as much about the world, so it's a dilemma. But uh, we don't have pristine minds. Our minds are tainted by the uh, defamation, deformation of language in ways like, like collateral damage or or friendly fire. I mean, what killed uh, Pat Tillman wasn't friendly. Right. He, it wasn't friendly at all. Right. That's the way they they softened the blow. As we look at the power of words, putting friendly sounding words on unfriendly acts would be a fine example of that. As That's we- why I think, yes, to go a bit further in this vein, uh, I still believe that poetry has a major function to play in politics to cleanse our minds of the corrupt language that we live, we are surrounded with day by day and go back to a fresh and relatively less corrupt vision of the world as it really is. And uh, I, uh, you know, for a long time I lived two separate lives. I I wrote about the wars and they kept coming one after another and I wrote poetry. But now, the rest of my life, I want to see how poetry can fight war. That's why I'm grateful to you, James, for putting me on this program, because I've been interviewed I don't know how many hundred times on radio, but uh, you're one of the first who has ever given me a chance to talk about poetry and and politics in what, as it's one topic, and I, I'm extremely grateful for that. Well, Peter, I think uh, art has, uh, if it has any job to do, it's to... Uh, uh inspire and uplift and I believe that it is it is the work that we're looking at of yours that is doing that sir well thank you it's it's partly that we go back to sources but also to repeat what I said earlier a quote from Czesław Miłosz to show us the way ahead there was a, a theorist a Marxist philosopher in the last century called Theodore Adorno and he said, all art involves an alterity, and a something other, and that we are drawn to art because we are dissatisfied with the world we're in, and art gives us a chance to be somewhere else. And I go a bit further than he does in this vein, because uh, he didn't say that the something else had to be something quite that we try to realize. Quite the opposite. He said it's something purely uh, fantastic. Uh, he's in. There's a whole German tradition of this that goes all the way back to Schiller in the 18th century. But I, I disagree. I think that poetry uh, does steer us. The best poetry, not all poetry, but the best poetry, <coughs> steers us in a better direction, and that's why. Some poems are preserved better than others because of their importance to people who are trying to find a way ahead in the world. On that, thank you for showing us the way ahead today, Peter. 
uh, look forward to your return and greater expanding on this idea of re-examining our words and using this to politically engage people to make a better world. Well, thank you for giving me a chance to... I've never read that poem before. I was quite surprised when I picked it up and read it. I'd almost forgotten it. It was a great chance to have a chance to share it with you. Thanks again, Peter. Yeah, thank you so much for calling in to share that on the Common Thread Collective to to get the, this uh, these words out, this poetry out, these messages out. And um, we're happy that, that we can do that here on mutinyradio.fm. And, uh, and also steer people towards your website, which is peterdalescott.net, um, so that they can learn more about your work. And, uh, and, yeah, and I also have a Facebook page. At, uh, I think it's uh, Peter D. Scott 9 on Facebook. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, and we look forward to future conversations with you. Uh, thank you for taking the time out of your day to call and for paying tribute to Pat Tillman. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, this is always an insightful afternoon here on the Common Thread Collective. I want to thank James Ellis for bringing in our uh, our guest, Peter Dale Scott, professor, uh, former uh, Canadian diplomat, uh, professor at University of California, um, poet, and um, someone whose who's research and insight um, goes beyond uh, kind of what our, our normal everyday lives uh, may, may, uh, may present. Um, and so a, a lifetime of experiences and research and commentary. And let's let poetry stop War. Uh, I love that that was the kind of the theme that emerged out of that conversation. This is part of the Common Thread Collective. The theme emerges, and I know that in a in a few minutes um, from the from the the greater sphere, we're going to have another call in from Diamond Dave in just a few moments, um, calling in from Minnesota, and Minnesota, <laughs> and all of our friends are here. I see Bloodflower and Richard and Rainbow. And uh, James Conrad, and I know Sarah Powell and Dan Brady are here about. And uh, James Ellis will be back in a couple of minutes. He's going to be doing reading some J. Krishnamurti, I believe. Uh, we, maybe, maybe so. Um, let's let's. I'm going to play a little music. To, oh yeah, you want to make a request? I want to hear Sonic Youth Cool Bang. Say it again. Sonic Youth Cool Bang. So, cool thing. Cool thing? Yeah, Sonic Youth. Oh, Sonic Youth. Cool thing. Ah, got it. Got it. All right. I can do that. I can do that. Let's see. Sonic Youth. We are an internet-based uh, radio station here. So I can just pull up that, that cool thing from Sonic Youth and say, hey, everybody, we can listen to this song. So thanks, Bloodflower, for the recommendation, for the request. And uh, I can skip past this little silly uh, YouTube ad. We'll be in business. And I know Diamond Dave's calling in pretty soon.
Well, that was a fun... Uh that was a fun musical request. Thanks for the request, Bloodflower. And uh, I know that Diamond Dave, I just talked to him on my phone. He's supposed to be calling into the station right now. So I'm kind of watching and waiting to see that, that phone line light up, um, <laughs> which is kind of funny because you get, you know, some of some stations when they do like fund drives, they're like, we want to see the, the phone lines light up but we just have one so uh there he is there he is hold on just a second let's see what's going on diamond dave i presume uh, you, you presume you presume correctly here i am in san francisco and i mean you're in san francisco i am i do that all day i can't remember i can't it's hard for you to realize i'm not in san francisco <laughs> but i'm in minneapolis minnesota my hometown. Wow, your hometown, going back exactly. to to where you grew up. So what's and, and I'm there. Uh, I'm I'm there in the uh, in the place where I really grew up, called Dinky Town. Dinky Town is a Bohemian enclave here at the University of Minnesota. There, where I was still in high school, University High School. This is where it's the bookstores, it's the cafes. And speaking of the bookstores, I'm here in the book house, and there's uh, in this kind of throne with my new uh, phone sister, Lisa, who's here. I, I'm not looking at you like I usually do, Val. I'm looking at Lisa, whose roots are in Goa, in India, and I, I just happen to do what I do. I've you know, been to I'm, Goa. She, yeah, she's been to Goa. Well, here's a, uh, a, a for one generation removed from Goa. Right here, I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me. We just met here over the shelves and fell into conversation. And you know, as a Sufi, I know there are no accidents. Everything is connected. So here I am. So I'm speaking to the world thanks to uh, Mutiny Radio. That's right. MutinyRadio.fm. We're streaming around the planet on the Internet. And so these words I'm saying to you now uh, are streaming. Is that right? They, I believe they are. Yes, they are. Okay. So, because I want to say, are they there? Do you hear me? No, I don't do that. I'll yeah. Say, so streaming and you say, yes, they are. We are streaming. We're streaming. Um, if, if people are on mutinyradio.fm, um, occasionally... You, when you click on the listen live, it asks you if you want to listen through various channels. Um, so you can like listen through iTunes, for example. Um, but we are we are recording. We're we're broadcasting live, and the podcast will go up right after the show. Okay, and so we're streaming live, and the podcast will go up right after the show. You'll be able to. This is Alyssa. See, we talked about go. Alyssa, say hello to the world. Hi there. Hi, Alyssa. Nice to meet you, world. Thanks for calling in with uh, Diamond Dave. I'm excited. He's been telling me I've been learning a lot. <laughs> he, he, it, it, we, we like to do, um, he likes to share what, what he calls hipstery, uh, as, as I'm sure you've heard. And so, um, yeah, it's all, it's all part of the bigger uh, fabric that we weave here. Um, so tell, tell, us about, tell us about you and, and uh, what you're going to share with us today. Uh, I just stumbled into this, to be honest. Uh, happened to Me too. see some books sitting on the on the sidewalk. Wandered into a bookstore and uh, met a guy who ended up, you know, reciting some great poetry for me and showing me around Dinky Town. And uh, it's yeah. it's been a wonderful introduction to Minneapolis. How cool! Well, that like uh, like Diamond Dave said, there are no accidents. Just wandering into exactly. a bookstore and finding yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> Completely happenstance, and uh, just here for the ride. Very cool. Very cool. And um, th- were you going to 
share some uh, some poetry, some activism, I some think, insight? I think uh, Diamond Dave actually has something set up right now he's prepared to read out, so I'm going to hand him back real quick. All right. Well, good to connect with you. Maybe we'll see you in San Francisco sometime. Yeah, here for the ride. I think they're, they're, as you know, I always say they're on our expense. And uh, so later today, I'm at the book uh, book out. If, you're, if uh, folks out there, here's a little bit of uh, a little bit of self uh, promotion. If you happen to come to Minneapolis and are here in Dinky Town, uh, come to the book house. It's is uh, like a labyrinth of uh, book rooms filled with amazing books. And I happen to be sitting here in the back in, the, in a back room here with uh, with Elisa. And she said, well, I can't wait. Anyway, there's going to be a poetry reading here uh, in about an hour or so. And this poet, in fact, uh, hopefully later in the show, if all falls to place, he'll be here and re can read one for himself. But he's doing a reading here. I'm going to read one of, one of his to begin with uh, called, uh, uh, his name is Thomas R. Smith. And he's going to be doing a reading here. And his book is called, he just gave, gave it to me. He just dedicated, wrote it to me. He sent it to, he just said, hey, Diamond Dave. Uh, a pleasant to meet you in Dinky Town, Planet Earth. Thanks, Tom uh, Smith. And it turns out he's a he's a Dylan guy. He knows every Dylan song. He can I can start a I'll start a line and we'll finish it. This is Tom uh, Tom Smith. Hopefully later. It's still fairly early there, isn't it? It's about uh, is it uh, We're just four o'clock there? Just about four o'clock. Yeah, a couple minutes to four. Okay, it's just about six o'clock here, so I think we can do it. But here I'll begin with this. Well, let me begin with the day, please. It began with, uh, as I said, I'm staying with this uh, poet, and uh, poet and, uh, and an amazing writer. He's who said, Diamond Dave, could stay with us. We have a, uh, an apartment in the basement. He'll have his own key, and he can come in and out of please. And his name is James Levinsky. He's got a bunch of uh, a bunch of books. I got one here. We'll get to that. And so they had uh, some of the old Dickey Towners. I got this room right down there in Palmer's Pasta Bar, which is uh, uh, just down the street. And in between, uh, it's uh, half a block, 100 yards away, 100 feet away, just on the corner. And between it, it was Gray's Drug when I was here in Dickey Town. And who lived up on the second floor in a room but Bob Dylan? And they always point out, this is where Bob Dylan lived. And that's right here. I can look out the window here and see pretty much. I think, well, I see it. Well, pretty much. And see it. And then he'd come over to my house, and that's where I gave him Woody Guthrie's autobiography and blah, blah, blah. And that's right here in Dickey Town. Do you hear me? I do. Going back to the, to, to the scene of history. Early 60s. When he was 18 and I was 22, and now he'd be 75 and, he, and I'd be 78. Oh, my goddess. But anyway, let me read you a poem of... Uh, from, so I got a few things here. From, I from Thomas Smith? Thomas R. Smith. Okay. I haven't read it yet, but you know I could do that. And he'll be coming in here in about an hour or so, and he knows that knows that, knows that I'm doing this, and he, he's going to be up for reading something. So hopefully he'll, this is called Day Dream of an Inherit, Inheritance. Uh, inheritance. In the dream, I balanced high in a wildly tower of crates stacked in an open truck. A man with a with a red beard handed me a crate containing my inheritance, my inheritance. Inside were vegetables my, my, from my father's garden, long shanks of celery, brooding foreheads of tomatoes. I closed the box, tucked it under my arm to clamber earthward, but the, uh, but the sub. 
at the side boards of the truck, I stepped down. I stepped down on a ladder, swung outward. I lost footing, began to fall, then looked down and saw my father's face. He hugged the boards, reached upwards to guide the loose rails where my feet had needed to meet them. In my body, I could feel the fathers before him, reaching through his body. One-handed, right arm still firm around the crate, I swung easily, almost ape-like, the rest of the way down. On the ground was a fire pit for cooking. On the ground was a fire pit for cooking. Well, that's it. Wow. Right arm is still firm around the crate. I swung easily, almost ape-like, the rest of the way down. On the ground was a fire pit for cooking. Well, I guess that was for the inheritance that was in the box, the carrots, the long shanks of celery, and the brooding foreheads of tomatoes. And they're down below. Well, I get it. That's pretty good, isn't it? And it came as a gift, the gift of uh, fire and food and warmth. Thank you. Just the basics. Thomas R. Smith. It's a beautiful little book. And then... uh, then there at the, that gathering, there was just at lunchtime, our time, my time, was uh, uh, also Eric Storley, who's another brother, another dude, who I go back and back and back. We went to the, we went to high school together. We were in the Unitarian Youth Group together, the Channing Club, and then uh, and we're here, and then that out of which Dinky Town came, in a way. That was one of the ways, one of the stops along the way, University High School. About a block away from here, and uh, and uh, the Unitarian group, the Channing Club, and their college goes right around the corner too, or was. And so Eric Storley is the one who got sent out the emails to invite people to come to uh, to uh, to come to this lunch that we had. And he brought a he brought a book by his daughter, who's now in her thirties, Catherine Funk Runk. And uh, and she, in fact, signed the book to Diamond Dave. Keep on hanging with my old man Eric, Eric Storley. Her name is Kathleen, and he put in a he put in a page he put in a little page here with his favorite poems. Let's pick one. My favorite, page fifty-three. Hey, folks, this be Diamond Dave in in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Dinky Town, the book uh, the book house with my friend Elisa. Uh, my new friend Alicia, and life is good. And as he said, page 53 was one of his favorites. His father suggesting his daughter, uh, one of his daughters, and this is a beautiful book too. It has poppy, uh, poppies in front. And, uh, and poppies in front. And it says, Kathleen Rock's poems, right, this is in the back, uh, by Diane Seuss, doing support, who's a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. She said, Kathleen Rock's rep- poems represent the lyric in action, a gutsy engagement in self-composition, world buildings, cosmos, cosmos reaming that is as da- audacious as it is gorgeous. Knight is a kleptosurgeon whose pockets must be ransacked to get her good days back. And a masterful riff, God's crotch, 
is a vacancy signed by some roadside motel where I check myself in. On nights, the moon is an icy highball sailing me into the sound. The semis make going down on Highway 53. Wow. <laughs> so you're having some highway adventures yourself, Dave. You've been on a you took a you took a bus to to Montana. You took a train oh over to Minnesota. This is your summer tour. I ran exactly, and I'm, I ran what? into uh, Malcolm Margolin last night in the uh, last oh, day evening. I told him what you were doing. He said, "Wow, that's great. Diamond Dave is still doing it." And I said, oh, "Yes, he, he remembers is." Me? He does. That he conversation does. we had so many years ago in his book, uh, the Aloni Way. The Aloni right? Way, yeah. Aloni Roy is so beautiful. Did you tell him we're still doing it? And uh, I did. I did. He's working on a big project. Um, work it exploring the the last 50 years of publishing in the San Francisco Bay Area so that's his big wow. project he's working on so this hopefully when Margolin, he wants to call in yeah he still works closely with them yeah the Ohlone way and he's a does he still have a full beard a full white beard oh yes oh yes he's, he's a bit otherworldly Kinda, oh, he must be. He must be in his 80s. I, 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 I imagine so. I believe so. Yeah, well, anyway, <laughs> we'll be to catch him before it's too late. And we've talked many times about his book, The Ohlone Way. The Ohlone are the native people who live there where the San Francisco people live. It's a wonderful book to be recommended. Well, here's a book. This is uh, Catherine Brunk, my friend uh, Eric Storley's daughter. And uh, I didn't even know. Okay, this is called Casada. Of the weeping for my daughter at one month after Lorca. That's Francisco Garcia Lorca. Francisco after Lorca. Right. I listen as weeping spills from the roof of your mouth and swing with you in my arms to every room of the house, singing. This is what it's like to be soaked in milk. This is what it's like to want to turn out, to run out into the rain with both hands empty. I'm done, being full like a suitcase, stuffed with a river and all its swarms of golden trout. But the rain couldn't, cause less, couldn't care less, because each, uh, each second, 4.4 mothers are born all over all of America, radiators clang in the night, and Carmel Puccinios are whipped into a frenzy, and 18-wheelers sail down the interstate past Tallahassee, where somebody's painted the mailboxes black. Somewhere in the heartland, there are warehouses. There are warehouses stacked with paper towels and clouds stocked with puddles. And a gardener waiting for our lady of immaculate cauliflower to step across the mud on tiny, miraculous feet. There's just so much to ask for. May you please be joyful. May you taste the nip of sweetness inside a clover bud. May you taste the nip of sweetness inside a clover bud. So glad you're here. Ah, uh, the sweetness. May you cross over the cobblestones to lie Damascus, the line Damascus Gate. May you have a child that won't sleep, but that looks up from your breast with golem eyes at 3 a.m. May your nipples spring leaks and point like missiles aimed in the wrong direction. <laughs> May you have as many warring, warring tribes 
as as Afghanistan and fall in love and feel like an accordion squeezed between ham hock hands. May you reel. May you cast a silver layer. May you sketch the architecture of a heart of the heart a thousand times, documenting the erasers and ink. My greedy, greedy rosebud, my endless mouth, my immense violin. Sometimes I think I cannot love you enough. Sometimes I want to leave you on the steps of a basket woven from reeds and wait for the Nile of your flooded eyes to carry you away. Then I could be rocked by the waters of the, waters of the bath. Uh, the waters of the bath, or fuck a stranger down by the lake. Then I could wear a ball gown, ball gown made of foam, or drink too many scorched, scorched lengths of gin. Scor scorched, scorched, uh, scotch like no scorched lengths of gin, and be any old squirrel I see scampering about across the grass. But then I wouldn't be crazy for the black walnut with its inscrutable skull shell. For the juice of the hull that holds the meat, that stains the sidewalk, the patio, that leaves a stucco of the house pockmarked with kisses, and is impossible, just impossible, to wash out. Wow, is he? What a poem. That's my friend Eric Storley. He teaches meditation here at the University of Minnesota, and that's the daughter he produced. She's in her 30s now. Fuck. That's amazing, eh? Yeah. So that's Catherine. What's her name? Catherine... Catherine uh, Rock, R-A-U-K. And her book is called Buried Choirs. Wow. That was amazing. What a potent poem that was. And it just came out. The books are available. I'm here in the bookstore. I just saw they've got five copies in. Wow. Very cool. What's the name of that that book, Dave? The book is called The uh, Buried Choirs, C-H-O-I-R-S. The Merry Choirs. Buried, B-U-R-I-E-D. Choirs. Is that C H O I R S? It's choirs. It's choirs. That is. Yeah, choirs. And, and it's got this opiate, a really good cover of these uh, opium posses. No, yeah, we were just discussing opium uh, with Peter Dale Scott just prior to this. My goodness, well, everything just there. Then he also put on the inside. He teaches. Um, uh, say, uh, Eric uh, teaches uh, meditation here at the University of Minnesota. So I have meditation saying. But it turns out he also is a Don Sufi, Hafiz and Rumi. And he put on the inside his favorite Hafiz. Because he happened to give it, I talked to him early in the morning when he invited me to sing. So I'm going to read this. It's, let me read it slowly. Hafiz, Rumi. The substance you taste. The sky wheel turns us into dawn and fills creation again with color. The sky wheel. Turns us in, no, turns us into dawn and fills creation again with color. Let it be our weakness, this thirst love for the world, the sun coming up like red gold being poured. The potter's wheel moves and shapes change quickly. That is, the potter's wheel moves and shapes change quickly. Let the jar I am becoming turn into a wine cup. Fill me with your love for being awake. Let me read that again. Let the jar I am becoming turn into a wine cup. Fill me with your love for being awake. I'm no hypocrite, renunciate. Call me this, deli- call me this delicious substance. 
you taste when you create new beauty. Be strong, Hafiz. Work here inside time. Where we fail, catch hold again and climb. That's uh, that's Hafiz from the 16th century, a Sufi poet. Work inside, work here inside time. When we fail, catch hold again and climb. So that's Hafiz. Well, that's Hafiz. That's in his daughter's book. And that's he put it in there because they wanted me to. That's anyway. a good. Um, that's a good segue to uh, to uh, to. To the next act, I think, Dave. Um, to <laughs> we've got so many people here right now; it's wonderful. Um, oh, beautiful! I should have asked, but beautiful. That sounds like a good segue. Yeah, everybody, say hi and to Dave. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Dave. Give us a, give us a call back in a little bit when uh, when the uh, when he comes, when he yeah, comes he in. Does, give me a call. Who's there? Tyler's there. No, Tyler's in New York. He's calling in soon. He's in New York at a hip hop competition, but he'll be back next week. But we've got okay, we've got Rainbow, we got Richard, we got Bloodflower, and James, and Sarah Powell, and and uh, Dan Brady, and another friend. Oh, I don't my know. Goodness. So we're hey people. Hey, family, I miss you. I'm taking around the planet. I'm on my way Monday. I'm on my way to Brooklyn. See my daughter, uh, my daughter, visit my daughter Grace at her library in the Pacific Branch. And then I'm heading down. Then I'm getting on the uh, Vermontier. That's a special train that will take me to to Bennington, Vermont. And then then Bennington, Vermont, which is the nearest town of any size to the Rainbow Gathering. All right. Well, so Dave, Friday, we're looking forward to Friday. having you give us a call back in a little bit um, when you're when uh, Thomas Smith comes into the to the book uh, the book house. What is he calling it? That the, the uh, what did he call it? The book house. Yeah, in Dinkytown, Minneapolis, Minnesota. So you're listening to the Common Thread Collective here on Mutiny Radio FM. We're here at Twenty First in Florida. Come join us. And up next, we've got our our. Uh, our guest interviewer from earlier, James Ellis, who's going to be continuing his series of reading J. Krishnamurti and uh, Bloodflowers on Guitar. Thank you, Global Val. Let's start this with an original poem. I call this Untitled. One in four Americans is on psychotropic medicine and or fighting depression. Feeding a government-sanctioned drug industry 11 billion annually. Shall we untie the knot? Watch the process. There is perception. Then an image is made. Then the image is pursued. This is the game. Reality. Pure perception. What you really are is lost. And there is sorrow as perception to the image. The comparing mind is forever falling short of the image it compares itself to. Yes. The very act of self-analysis is depressing. (laughs) It's a losing game the brain plays with itself. And this too shall pass to be repeated. And that too shall pass too. 
be repeated and this is the cycle that is depression and this is what is now now see the process it's a tough part neither condemning nor rationalizing see it the very act of seeing is freedom from sorrow i'm sorry not from seeing is freedom you must begin at the beginning and the first step is the last step you're not your brain until this is seen <laughs> you are see it and that which compares may become quiet effortlessly organically choicelessly and you are free is that the new human is that the new world this is mr j christian murti from his book commentaries on living second series a chapter called discipline he had come from a from some distance and was eager to find out how to subdue the mind he said that he had deliberately withdrawn from the world and was living very simply with some relatives devoting his time to the overcoming of the mind he had practiced a certain discipline for a number of years but his mind was still not under control he was always ready to wander off like an animal on a leash he had starved himself but that did not help he had experimented with his diet and that had helped a little but there was never any peace his mind was forever throwing up images conjuring up past scenes sensations and incidents or it would think of how it would be quiet tomorrow but tomorrow never came and the whole process became quite nightmarish on very rare occasions the mind was quiet but the quietness soon became a memory a thing of the past what is overcome must be conquered again and again suppression is a form of overcoming as our substitution and sublimation to desire to conquer is to give birth to further conflict why do we want to conquer to calm the mind the mind the man said I've always been interested in religious matters. I have studied various religions. They all say that to know God, the mind must be still. Ever since I can remember, I've always wanted to find God, the pervading beauty of the world, the beauty of the rice field and the dirty village. I had a very promising career. I'd been abroad, all that kind of thing. One morning, one morning I just walked out to find that stillness i heard what you said about it the other day so i've come to find god to try to subdue the mind you try to subdue the mind but his calmness of mind oh wait a god is calmness the coin which will open the gates of heaven you want to buy your way to god to truth 
or what name you will. Can you buy the eternal through virtue, through renunciation, through mortification? We think that if we do certain things, practice virtue, pursue chastity, withdraw from the world, we shall be able to measure the measureless. So, it's just a bargain, isn't it? Your virtue is a means to an end. The man said, But discipline is necessary to curb the mind, otherwise there is no peace. I have just not disciplined it sufficiently. It's my fault, not the fault of the discipline. Discipline is a means to an end, but the end is the unknown. Truth is the unknown. It cannot be known. If it is known, it is not truth. If you can measure the immeasurable, then it is not. Our measurement is the word, and the word is not the real. Discipline is the means, but the means and the end are not two dissimilar things, are they? Surely, the end and the means are one. The means is the end, the only end. There is no goal apart from the means. Violence as a means to peace ha! is only the perpetuation of violence. The means is all that matters, not the end. The end is determined by the means. The end is not separate, away from the means. The man said, I will listen and try to understand what you're saying. When I don't, I will ask. Look, you use discipline, control, as a means to gain tranquility. Do you not? Discipline implies conformity to a pattern. You control in order to be this or that. It's not discipline. In its very nature, violence. It may give you pleasure to discipline yourself. But it's not that very pleasure, a form of resistance, which only breeds further conflict. It's not the practice of discipline, the cultivation of defense. And what is defended is always attacked. Does not discipline imply the suppression of what is, in order to achieve a desired end? Suppression, substitution, and sublimation only increase effort and bring about further conflict. You may succeed in suppressing a disease, but it will continue to appear in different forms until it is eradicated. Discipline is the suppression, the overcoming of what is. Discipline is a form of violence. So, through a wrong means, we hope to gain the right end. <laughs> the resistance. How can there be the free, the true? Freedom is at the beginning, not at the end. The goal is the first step. The means is the end. The first step must be free, not the last. Discipline implies compulsion, subtle or brutal, outward or self-imposed. And when there is compulsion, there is fear. Fear. Compulsion is used as a means to an end, the end being love. Can there be love through fear? Love is... Hmm, when there is no fear at any level, 
The man said, But without any kind, without some kind of compulsion, some kind of conformity, how can the mind function at all? The very activity of the mind is a barrier to its own understanding. Have you never noticed that there is understanding only when the mind, as thought, is not functioning? Understanding comes with the ending of the thought process. In the interval between two thoughts. You say the mind must be still, and yet you desire it to function. If we can be simple, in watchfulness, we shall understand. But our approach is so complex that it prevents understanding. Surely, we are not concerned with discipline, control, suppression, resistance, but with the process and the ending of thought itself. What do we mean when we say that the mind wanders? Simply that thought is everlastingly enticed from one attraction to another, from one association to another, and is in constant agitation. Is it possible for thought to come to an end? The man said, That is exactly my problem. I want to end thought. I can see now the futility of discipline. I really see the falseness, the stupidity of it, and I won't pursue that line anymore. But how can I end thought? Again, listen. Without prejudice, without interposing any conclusion, either your own or those of another. Listen. To understand, and not merely to refute or accept, you ask how you can put it into thought. Now, are you the thinker? An entity separate from your thoughts. Are you entirely dissimilar from your thoughts? Are you not your own thoughts? Thought may place the thinker at a very high level and give a name to it. Separate him from itself. Yet the thinker is still within the process of thought. Is he not? There is only thought. And thought creates the thinker. Thought gives form to the thinker as a permanent, separate entity. Thought sees itself to be impermanent. In constant flux. So it breeds the thinker as a permanent entity apart and dissimilar from itself. When the thinker operates on thought, the thinker says, I must put an end to thought. But there is only the process of thinking. There is no thinker apart from thought. <laughs> the experiencing of this truth is vital. It is not a mere repetition of phrases. There are only thoughts, not a thinker who thinks thoughts. The man said, but how did thought arise originally? Through perception, contact, sensation, desire, identification. I want, I don't want, and so on. This is fairly simple, is it not? Our problem is, how can thought end? Any form of compulsion, conscious or unconscious, is utterly futile. For it implies a controller 
one who disciplines and such an entity as we see is not existent discipline is a process of condemnation comparison or justification and when it is clearly seen that there is no separate entity as a thinker the one who disciplines then there are only thoughts the process of thinking thinking is the response of memory of experience of the past this again must be perceived not on the verbal level but there must be an experiencing of it only then is there passive watchfulness in which the thinker is not an awareness thought is entirely absent the mind the totality of experience the self-consciousness which is ever in the past is quiet oh only when it's not projecting itself and this projection is the desire to become look the mind is empty only when thought is not thought cannot come to an end save through Passive watchfulness of every thought. In this awareness, there is no watcher and no sensor. Without the sensor, there is only experiencing. Mm. In experiencing, there is neither the experiencer nor the experienced. The experienced is the thought, which gives birth to the thinker. Only when the mind is experiencing is there stillness. The silence, which is not made up, put together. And only in that tranquility can the real come into being. Reality is not of time and is not measurable. reading Jay Krishnamurti. Blood flower, keeping the pulse going. Wow, the calm. The calm. How nice that we could, uh, I like that that, that can be a, an, an end game to get to the calm space uh, and experience that as reality. Thanks for reading Jay Krishnamurti, James Ellis, and for reading your original poem at the beginning. And uh, we've got our friend Tyler on the phone. And Tyler's calling in from New York City. Hey, Tyler, how's it going, man? Was good, y'all. Sorry I wasn't there this week. <laughs> no problem. So, so y- tell us what you're up to in New York. Oh, okay. Okay, so, yeah, if you guys don't know who, I, who Tyler is, I, I'm like the only rapper that comes to the show and I, I come quite frequently. I go by the name of Tip Vicious. And uh, so this weekend, um, I'm at a three-day event for a hip-hop collective based out of San Francisco called Team Backpack. And what Team Backpack is is they uh, promote um, positive hip-hop culture as well as um, um, promoting the act of creating lyricism through your words rather than um, what 
many of you probably hear and judge hip hop by um, from hearing on the radio. Um, so it's super cool. Um, if you've heard me spit before, then you know I'm, I'm not your typical rapper. I'm, I'm more of a lyricist. I started off as a poet, so um, it's like right up my alley. So every year they hold auditions to be a part of this. Um, they, they do cypher-based videos. If you don't know what a cypher is, it's just multiple different types of rappers going over the same beat. So you can kind of get uh, a taste of many different styles. Um, it's kind of a, it's an acquired skill to be able to rap over any beat. So that's like stressed pretty heavily through this audition process. Um, they get hundreds of millions of views on their videos online, uh, you know, so it's, it's an awesome platform. It's an awesome community to be a part of. Um, I sent in my audition tape to them in January of this year. And in April, they sent me an invitation to come out to New York and take it to the next step. So um, of, I think it was 3,000 online auditions, they invited 500 hip-hop artists. I think that, like, somewhere between 400 and, like, 300 actually showed up. Wow. And um, so not yes, yeah, no, yesterday. So yesterday morning I woke up at 6 o'clock. Um, my performance time was at 10 o'clock. Um, I did my verse. And um, today they were doing auditions all day today. Um, I actually have family in New York, so I spent the day with my family, which was really cool to see them. Some some people I haven't seen in like years. Nice. But um, tomorrow they're going to take that 400 to 300 people and whittle it down even further to 12 people. Um, after the 12 people, they're going to have sort of like a kind of like a, a battle type thing where they'll just have two artists on one beat together. One artist does the verse, the next artist does their verse, then back to the first guy, and then the second guy again, and then they pick who goes to the next round um, through crowd participation. So if you ever see an Eight Mile and you're comparing this entire thing to Eight Mile, well, it's kind of like that. Um, <laughs> I've seen um, Eight Mile. Oh, okay. You know exactly. I know what, what you're talking about. about. <laughs> Wait, so tell me again, what's the name of this platform this, this, that's hosting this competition? Sure, sure. It's called um, Team Backpack. And uh, again, they are based out of San Francisco. They started off just making videos online around uh, 2011. And then the next year, more people wanted to be in their videos. 2013, they held their first uh, Mission Underground event, which is what I'm at right now. And that's just their audition process. It's a festival, a music festival, and um, you know the audition process to be a part of the videos. Um, Last year they were in L.A. This year we're in Brooklyn, New York at the the Muse Art Gallery. It's a pretty pretty nice um, warehouse with a giant stage and um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's been lots of positive vibes. That sounds that sounds really fun. That sounds like a really cool thing to be a part of. And you're and you're a. You're one of the finalists. You're up there. They called you in out of like they said they they pulled 500 out of 3,000 uh, online right. auditions. So this is exciting. Uh, we got to keep following uh, your progress with this. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. So tomorrow I um, um, they're gonna like I said they're gonna whittle it down to the top 12, um, which is I mean just to be able to come here in itself, win or lose, top 12 or not. This has been like one of the greatest music experiences that I could ever ask for. Um, I've only been recording music for two and a half years, and the fact that it's already brought me to Brooklyn, New York, I, I mean, I'm traveling by myself, you know. I did get to see family, but I, 
paid my way here. I worked really hard the last couple of months. I've been practicing. Um, obviously, I found you guys. I've been doing open mics like crazy, just performing, freestyling. Um, if anybody in the building today knows uh, Firefly, she actually got a team backpack invite as well, but she wasn't able to make it out this year. I'm pretty sure she's going to go back uh, next year, but she's a super talented artist. But, you know, it's like the, the, the bar is so high out here. Everybody is everybody that's here sacrificed something you know for me i had to sacrifice a little bit of sleeping time the last couple of months to get some extra hours to pay for my entire stay here i'm at a hostel in brooklyn and bushwick cool. actually if you're uh, privy to the new york Berlin. yeah yeah um yeah bushwick so um i i met somebody from lebanon um i met multiple artists from ireland uk australia one guy from jamaica um it's a it's a you know it's an international collective um so it's it's super positive that you know everybody's out here and um i think probably the coolest thing and i definitely have to mention this before i you know just trail off on just nerding out on team backpack but um you know being in hip-hop and being part of like a smaller scene in sacramento where i'm from like i'd been in competitions and i'd also been in a hip-hop competition in berkeley before um ironically where i met firefly and one of the things that i always noticed about competitions is that a lot of the artists are just so bent on winning that they don't even bother to try and network or uplift any of the artists that are also you know competing um and which is contradictory to hip hop culture, which is supposed to be about love and, you know, uh, social awareness and like coming together as a people. Um, but here it's been nothing but good vibes. I've met so many people. I've added so many people across my entire social media. I, uh, had a chance to meet some of the artists that, um, got a career from being part of team backpack, you know? And, um, I mean, it's it's just, it's amazing. Uh, some people were, you know, doing their auditions yesterday and um, they kind of forgot their, their words to their verse and the crowd just went crazy. Get it, you could do it, you could do it. And like one guy, like he was really, like he was really hurt and like physically you could see that he was, he was upset that he had kind of forgotten his, his verse and he got the crowd participation and he turned around and did better than he was doing before he forgot his verses. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome to be a part of um, win or lose. I'm, I'm definitely going to be auditioning again next year. Awesome. What a cool experience and community. Um, I'm glad that you're out there doing that and meeting, meeting cool folks. And, you know, like you said, you just kind of started doing music in the past couple of years, but that's just kind of how it works, right? You just like, you know, you, you've got a passion, you, you start doing things and you start making things happen. And then the, the floodgates kind of open for opportunities. So, um, right. way to go, Tyler. And, Thank uh, you. yeah, you, 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 know, you and anybody else welcome to call back or, um, if you want us to play some music, um, or you want to throw somebody on the phone to, uh, to spit some verse at some point, um, yeah, let me know and we can work well, it out. Well, I'm inside of my hostel right now, <laughs> waiting for my phone to charge, unfortunately. Gotcha. But there are other artists that are at the hostel. Um, so if I see any of them, I'll be like, yo, if you want to get some radio play in San Francisco and the rest of the world, yep. um, and I'll, I'll pass the number around. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, and actually, uh, I went to an open mic last night um, and, and got to meet some of the people um, out here from a collective called Brooklyn Wildlife, and they throw shows and open mics 
like combos out here. And so I got to, you know, do an open mic and I kind of talked to them for a minute about Mutiny Radio and, you know, me starting to help out around the station and whatnot um, yeah. for the Common Thread Collective. And uh, it was really cool. It was, it was a really good, you know, um, chance to network and just meet some people and, um, and even people that were nerding out on my music. So that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, right on. Thanks for actually joining uh, Diamond Dave in the ranks of a far out, far flung correspondent. Uh, thanks for reaching out to, to uh, good folks in New York um, to bridge that, uh, bridge that great divide. And uh, when you come, like I said, if anybody wants to perform this week or next week, um, we can work it out. You know, they can like send me a link in my email and uh, we can, we can make it happen. Um, you know, if they can't like be on the phone, or something so um great thanks for calling in tyler and uh yeah looking forward to seeing you back here and uh seeing what happens next with team backpack no problem hey uh before i go do you think i could share my verse that i that i uh, of course performed yesterday yeah do it sweet sweet okay so i don't have any beat you guys so i'm just gonna do it acapella I be the underrated rapper coming out of Sacktown. I got integrity unlock and honestly, I'm modestly the crap now. You better back down, put my chips down. Got my pocket full of sunshine. Fuck it, floating in the green clouds. Yo, don't ask how. If you know how, my steez is so wow. I'm like a diamond in a rut. People walking by with a frown till I shake jut and they wake up when we make up. Not a lame butt, but a face set chasing paper optimistically. The shape of my daily debit chases. Let's be honest, you a faker. You ain't really trying to save a kitty from the rapers check the website man we famous keep it moving if you're brainless copper stainless keep praying viciously that god my best at least sustain us not maim us or tame us we lame less like rengar kazix the enemies all fluster like yo can you stop the gangs bruh but we relentless you can't rent us and i'm steadily merry sentence sorry mama no repent and fuck the metaphors my dude atheism was intended till i see the pics of heaven i be that lucky skinny nigga that was born on 7-eleven to my family indebted Fuck the student loans. I'm betting on me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Fuck the student loans. I'm betting on me. I like that. That's a true story, too. I got gotcha. <laughs> you. For another day. All right. Well, we'll hear it when you come back. Thanks for calling in, Tyler. We'll talk to you soon. All right. I love you guys. All right. Uh, you too, man. Day. All right. Peace. Well, well, that's fun. Uh, sure, we'll do some little music in between here and there. And uh, and we've got a full house here, cool folks. So thanks for being here today uh, as we uh, roll through another episode of the Common Thread Collective here at MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val, and you're awesome.
Welcome back. Welcome back. I guess you've been here all along. You're listening to the Common Thread Collective here on MutinyRadio.fm. I was playing a little Chemical Brothers for us from their album, Push the Button. So moving some buttons around right now. Uh, so we can talk to our friends and resident poets, commentators, and tribes people. He's, <laughs> he's giving me this stuff. I don't know what it is. Giving me the business there? To, uh, Dan Brady's always giving somebody the business, maybe. Oh, like, that's part of the job description. I have to do this later. That's right. We've got Dan Brady and Richard Sanderell I'm sitting here with. Yeah, Richard the Sanderell as we call him. The oh. Sanderell. The Sanderell. The greater Sanderell. The greater San Francisco Sanderell. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for being here today. Uh, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Val. You <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Val, the wonderful, we call her. You, you oh, that's be very sweet. Somewhere, somewhere soon. We got this all. We do. I'm going to be featuring at the Sacred Grounds in July. In July. End of July. Well, I think every it's Wednesday the 27th. Carl and Cole, 7 and p.m. Z- Come and, by. And Norman July is going to be next Wednesday, right? Next Wednesday, yeah. Oh, wow. No, no, oh. Next Wednesday is Owen Dunkel. Oh, then, that's right. Then, and then uh, 29th is Norman So two July. weeks uh, or a week from next yeah, Wednesday. A week from next July. Nice. I saw Norman July. I've heard his name over the years, but then I only got to see him that time at the Beat Museum back in April for the... Uh, yeah, he was he was yeah. part of the show. Richard, because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do it. Richard. Nice. Uh, well, you two, you two do a lot of good uh, teamwork together for that sacred ground spot. Yeah. No, you're it. No, you're it. No, you're no. it. <laughs> don't don't do that to me because I don't have a brain. Actually, you go I, first. I, I'm skip- Oh, you want me to go to first? Yeah, you go first. Oh, the elders go okay. first. Okay. Elders. <laughs> well, <I know. laughs> All right. So this this is this is I'm good because we, we we're gonna do more than one, right? Are we? Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, this so is our this, this our is poetry po- section. This is an hour piece. This is the poem I wanted to do the last time I was here, but didn't bring it with me because ah. because I feel that to hell with the, the way the planet is going. We need the aliens, and this is a poem that deals with that very subject of how the heck are we going to make any blessed change around here? And this poem, I figured if it goes out on the airwaves, they'll hear it. Come down here, figure out how to fix things up and do that. Anyway. I, I would love aliens to come into Mutiny Radio and fix everything that we need to fix. <laughs> yeah. I know a couple. Oh, well. Okay, so anyway, are we ready? Can I start now? I got my glasses on and everything. <laughs> Go for it. The title of this poem is They Call It. And you'll see who I'm talking about in due course. They call it a failed place. A place of dis-ease. A place where no one knows their place anymore. No one knows their place. Where counting numbers and abstractions have become as real as that which is counted. And where they count everything. And then it's all denominated, even as the sacred, the eternal, has been forgotten, forsaken, even forsworn of its denizens' hearts. Hard as this is to believe, it is all of it true, and still there's more. What seems morally impossible, astonishingly, they dismember their network, act to consume it using monstrous creations to dig, break, scorch, or bury their living sphere. Poisons are let to soak into soils which die, as do rivers. So that now, now life is leaving a home world, 
something so incredibly rare as to be unheard of, but it is happening and in the unlikeliest place. Its beings, obsession with possessions, real and not, have devolved, lost sight, and who, in their rage, extinguish their own kind and make coin from everything that lives, everything that dies. Its own denizens call it bedlam, pandemonium, a chaotic melee of enmity, a place of devouring, ruled over by soulless incorporates which mark everything with cold calculations, where hungry ghosts raise up the dead to worship an eternal evil that then thrives on their godlessness. It is a world of pain where every joy is a sufferance, love wilts, and their beliefs are simply not to be believed. This place, vast in abyssal sorrow, harbors more horrors than we can describe, such that, such that all those in the vast deep reaches of this universe who feel kindness, know love, and are soulfully connected to the great family feel this disturbance in the force and have come to know this unique point, this painful rift in the networks of amity. The cries from this place reach to all heaven, into all time, and so to the universes before and yet to come. Such is the inheritance of separation, the yield of irrational, passionate fear, the great bounty of forgetfulness, and the ruination of rationality. Some call it the place of regret. Others, the lost place of ignorance. Some say it is ruined. That is why we, in our trillions of trillions of trillions, on the myriad of worlds set in their glittering heavens, have begun a chorale. We sing that this place may be soothed for love to bloom and peace to hold sway, that the web of life will heal and prosper, and that the great song will return to that strange planet Earth. <laughs> Cameron! Bring it back, that's what I say. Bring it on home. Bring it, bring it, bring it on home. Let's let's bridge that gap of separation. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to be a little, well, a little closer to the we'll microphone. This. Closer um, to the microphone. Um, yes. Would you? I forgot all about that. I know you, yeah, you bought so that it's microphone. So long. She's here, the professional. That's, right? that's what right. I do. That's here. why we work with professionals. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do this at home. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, <clears throat> They put their faith in their God. Oh, I just put my faith in the Lord. It's all in his hands. I leave it up to him. The usual refrain one gets talking with the Lord's people. Freeze one from thinking, just turn it over to the Lord. He knows I'm a sinner, but I believe in him and I'm born again. This chant response is so not so rhythmic, but seems deep-seated in their deepest interiors. They are as smug as the self-righteous. 
Having a conversation about the state of the, our environment, the above response is given. Smugness with the self-satisfied believer knows he's on the Lord's side. Need to be reminded of their sacred text where the Lord gives you this garden. And it is your responsibility not to trash it, but to maintain her. But you may not want to think about that and the Lord's response to you breaking this covenant. Rumor has it the Lord's pissed. He seems non-believers taking better care of his garden than you. Paradise may be denied to you and after all that turning it over to the Lord. Hippie icon Jesus tried to step in and help these people wandering the deserts of their minds, but he doesn't fit the bill. The last thing they want to do is to self-realize. <laughs> hey! Hey! Hello! Uh, and now hey, let's hey. just have some freaking fun. Wait, okay. Oh, go ahead. Can, can I, since the, the yes. topic has come up, can I, can I read a little yes. poem yes, called, called Jesus Saves? Yes, and please, then, and, stamps. And then we'll have some fun. If we're not having phone yet. Yes, oh, I have a phone. I, we were yes, having fun. Go. All right. So Valley I was Barley, I was in the ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Dan Brady. I was in the Central Valley recently and there were lots of signs oh. that said Jesus saves. Yes. And so um <laughs> growing up in a in the Catholic environment, yes. um I had some comments on it. So here's my poem called Jesus Saves. Religion is an authoritative myth. As if you needed to answer to anyone but your best self. It's satisfying to feel small, but why put all your chips in one hand? Why would a 2,000-year-old state execution make you any freer? If God walks on earth in the form of seers, why the need to pretend to drink and eat her? Symbology, psychology, soulful bioavailability, to ingest a request for charity, yes, and obedience. Wake up early on your day of rest and remember your free will. Praying for guidance or handouts. Respect the mystery. When no answer comes, assume a delay. And continue to murmur your anthems. Rock out to the righteousness of humility. Dress accordingly and shake hands only when told. Hallelujah, brothers. My iron lung is working again. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for letting me read that that, that in, little indict little indictment there. A little indictment. Uh, we love it. A, a wee bit, but you know. Okay, so as a Catholic myself, fallen. fallen I'm a recovering fallen. Catholic myself. <laughs> I'll let you know when I'm there. So um, this this piece here, I know you you'll you'll enjoy, because we have a a person, one of the people who was running for president is not really fit for office. And so I've concocted this song called The Drama of Donald Der Drumpf. And it's done to the tune of the Grinch song. And oh, nice. It's, it's, it's sweet. It's available on YouTube if you look and search for the Grinch song, the Trump song, or something like that. Anyway, here we go. It's live, not Memorex. <clears throat> I got to get my voice ready. Yes. Okay. You're a screamer, Mr. Drump. Oh, no. You point and like to squeal. You're as friendly as a banker with a lying lawyer's deal, Mr. Drump. Oh. You're a giant festering pustule with a scabbering, oozing hole. You're a golem 
Mr. Trump, you're a heartless, soulless imp. Your brain is full of bragging. You're the ultimate synthopimp, Mr. Trump. I wouldn't touch you with a fora, no matter what you'd scrimp. You're a villain, Mr. Trump. Yet your greed, it does beguile. You have all the loving empathy of a starveling great white's smile, Mr. Drum. Forced to choose between the two of you, I take the starveling great white's guile. You're a racist, Mr. Drump. The king without a thread. Your heart's a dismal sewer. Your mouth's an asshole in your head, Mr. Drum. The three terms which describe you are crank, bunk, junk. You're like vomit, Mr. Drump, with a vomitous super dump. You're a sneaky snail all pusher, a public jerker off, Mr. Drum. Your soul is a vile, rapacious darkness, nightmarish and intense, slavering with unconscionable, inhuman sexual desires, idiocy, and pure psychopathy. You're a fascist, xenophobe. You're a rank and fetid mass. Your heart is made of doggerel. Your soul is somewhere up your ass, Mr. Drum. You are a super puke burrito with maggoty worms slathered in albino BS sauce. There you go. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not a Republican anymore. I never was, actually. Just thought I'd say that. I'm a recovering Catholic, as I like to say. And now, and the Sanderell. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're having fun now. We That's are a, I mean, fun now. that was that was the point. <laughs> that was, yes, that was, uh, thank, right. thank you. It can be found. I'm sending it. We're gonna we're gonna find it. We're yes, gonna find, find it. That, send it off. Make him annoyed and have him dismember himself on TV. Oh, oh my God. That'd be should I dismember yourself? That'd be hard to do. It could be. All done. right. Well, I'm, He's the I'm man. totally lost here, so we'll just go with what I got here. Find, find something All right. Nice. Well, um, uh, <laughs> well, we'll do the dance cadence. Something. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, this has uh, got to do with Sukus music, uh, where they say cadence. Well, I, I'm sure it uh, translates to uh, cadence, uh, but uh, it's called dance cadence. Rhythm, rhythm, a rhythm dance perchance cadence. Like water, we flow always in motion, mixing our magic elixirs. Dance makes our intentions known. Romance is love sealed with more than a kiss. Beat, 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 as hearts do. Beat, 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 as congas drive our dance cadence. Look into each other's eyes as iris is open wide to take all of each other's into places only we know. Dance cadence. Dance Cadence. We are We are having fun here. We're, we're, uh, way too much fun. I don't know. We maybe we I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think we could have too much fun. Yeah, I think we could have another song. You want to do a song? I have another song. Yeah, sure. I look at the other one. I okay. Now, yeah. the Sanderell over here doesn't like it when I say famous, but it doesn't sound 
well if I say infamous, even though infamous is probably a better word now. Yeah, than infamous would work better. But, but, you know, but the too, rhymes. So this is inspired by Mr. George Zimmerman, who recently decided to sell the gun that he used to kill an innocent individual. And this action of his inspired this song. I wrote the words, but it's to the tune of Oh Christmas Tree. How appropriate. Are you ready? He's ready. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> oh, Zimmerman, George Zimmerman. Oh, Georgie, you're a rump head. You killed your, you killed and have your fame, that's sure. You beat your wife, but refused the cure. Oh, Zimmerman, George Zimmerman, you really are so famous. You shot your wad and lied, you know, then blabbed on Fox's talk show. Oh, Zimmerman, George Zimmerman, you really are an anus. A star at redneck gun trade shows. You wrote a book that really blows. Oh, Zimmerman, George Zimmerman, you really are so famous. Now you've got an idea grand to auction that gun. Oh, what a plan. Oh, Zimmerman, George Zimmerman, you really are an anus. Oh, who will buy it? I want to know. Would that be Trump or Idaho? Oh, Zimmerman, George Zimmerman, you are a famous anus. Anus. Oh, anus, anus, anus. Wow. Anus. Anus, anus. Yeah. Anus. And, it, and if you're that out. It's fun to write. Ain't it an anus? Yeah. And, I, and if you're listening out there and you're not quite sure, George Zimmerman was the guy who shot the, the teenager Trayvon Martin, Trayvon Martin uh, who, for walking through his neighborhood. The stand uh, in, stand in, what is it? Stand your ground. Stand your ground law. Hello. All right, well, I'm going to be quaint again. He's so. going to be quaint again. So. Hold on. Hold on. We got somebody. We got somebody on here. Hey, hold on. No, go ahead. All right. Oh, yeah, you go ahead. All right. It's called It Rides You. Nice. Drums that attack is thunder. It rides, rides, rides lightning. African drums add their voice to the attack with that what seems to be a violent act of love, relieving stress between sky and earth. Drum and drummer become one, then ask and answers other musicians as dancers dance, sing for the mother. Shakers shake, drums talk, the story is told. Shakers talking drum add to the polyrhythms moving over, under, through, around, together. The drummers drum from drums so large ladders are required, beats to the lowest booms, ringing deep reverberations. The rhythm will ride you. It is a flirtation, a seeding of the soil, creating, growing, eating, loving, living, giving back. Voices move in and out and yet remain a constant and chant response until you know you can no longer ignore it if you ever could. Layer upon layer, moving, alive, anon, anon, forever. 
Anon, anon. I'm bringing, anon, I'm bringing anon, these anon, words anon. back. I'm trying my damnness. I think, I think you're doing a great job of it too. Bring it back. Well, Bring I it back. I, I like anon. Well, it's like at once, at once. You know. Yeah, it, it, it carries, it carries a message. Anon, anon. Thank you guys for coming in and carrying your messages. Thank you so much, Val. It's always a pleasure to. Come to Sacred Sisper. Grounds every Wednesday night. Yeah, Wednesday night. Sacred Grounds is a great. And and you and you. Uh, you also stream it live on the internet. Oh yeah, we stream live uh, through UStream. Yeah. And wasn't wasn't there something we said in the beginning? There's somebody coming out to out the sacred grounds again. What was that? When? Oh, Norman Zelaya on the 29th. And then then there's somebody else. Oh, Owen Dunkel on the 22nd. Oh, well then, but there's somebody else. I don't have my list with me. Well, right there. Oh, Valley Bar. Uh, thank you. <laughs> She's gonna be there at Sacred uh, Grounds. July 27th. July 27th. It's coming up faster than I you know. possibly think. It's le- almost we a month. Get now. Oh my prepared. goodness. We gotta get people prepared. So She's thank you. Thank you. Thing to do. <laughs> so I look at my watch even when I'm not wearing one. Yeah, um, it's I used to use it as a shtick, like, oh, what time is it? I never wore a watch. Then I got this watch as a as a present uh, for Christmas, and uh, I actually enjoy wearing it. Self winding. I don't know. It it sits on my wrist, and when the battery dies, I buy a new one for ten dollars. I that's very wasteful. It's very that. wasteful, and I want I want somebody to, to give me a little lesson on how to replace a a, a watch battery. Self winding watches that sometimes <laughs> still sell them. I love well, those. Well, speaking of watching, look out in the studio. We've got James Conrad and Bloodflower set up and ready to perform, and then maybe Sarah Powell, who's been patiently waiting, uh, hanging out out there. If you want to come in and and we can chat after after uh, James Conrad. And then we've got another friend out here. I'm not sure his name, but he's got a guitar. So it looks like we're going to... Oh, and, and Rainbow. And Rainbow's here. So, um, and uh, and uh, Diamond Dave's calling back in about 20 minutes or so uh, with a poet back in Minneapolis. So we've got a lot to do in the next 40 minutes. But thanks, for everybody, for being here. Take it away, James Conrad. Okay. Hit it, blood flower. I am James Conrad, and uh, we're in the home stretch of the home stretch of the series, Zurdo Cleans House. For those of you out there who are listening who are unfamiliar, I'll just give you a capsule rundown. Lorenzo Carlos Ruiz, uh, he gets convicted of murder and child molestation, sent to San Quentin, does 11 years. Now, of course, his name, his nickname is Zurdo, which means lefty, and he's left-handed, and he's let out because they realize, a bit late, that the crime could never have been committed by a left-handed man. It was a right-handed killer. But, unfortunately, even though Zurdo, you know, he's a free man, cancer has come for him. And knowing that he doesn't have much time left, he figures the, la- the last meaningful thing he can do is get revenge, thank you, on the uh, guys who railroaded him. And at this point in the story, well, he's done that. And now the story continues with episode 73 of Zordo Clean's House. Not long after Zurdo was admitted to Good Samaritan Hospital, his brothers and sisters and their families made their way there and kept a solemn vigil around him, certain that he would die very soon. 
By the time Father Leon arrived at a quarter to ten, Zurdo had been put into a medicated coma. As Zurdo's brothers and sisters looked on, Father Leon walked over to where he lay, looked into his open eyes, and held his hand, noticing that Zurdo gave it a tiny squeeze and held tight. Seeing tears streaming from Zurdo's eyes, Father Leon took a handkerchief from his pocket and wiped them away, then lowered his head. Almighty and everlasting God, preserver of souls, whispered Father Leon as Zurdo tightened his grip just a little more while his pulse quickened. Who dost correct those whom thou dost love, and for their betterment dost tenderly chastise those whom thou dost receive. We call upon thee, O Lord, to grant thy healing, that the soul of thy servant, at the hour of its departure from the body, may by the hands of thy holy angels be presented without spot unto thee. Amen. Just then, Zordo relaxed his grip, letting out a long sigh as his head sagged to the left and the line on his heart monitor went flat, the rhythmic beeps giving way to a long electronic drone. As tears came to Father Leon's eyes, he and Zurdo's family moved toward each other, hugging and weeping. The end is nigh. And yes, folks, the hero has died. (laughs) But, but, the story continues next week. Oh! With episode 74 of Zordo Clean's House. All right. Wow. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. We've we've got a a few more weeks. Now, um, something that's equally urgent. Uh, So Mutiny Radio has a, you know, there's a whole bunch of, let me get one of these cards here. Yeah, we do have very cool flyers that we put out every season. We have seasonal flyers for Mutiny Radio. So, yeah, we've got, um, oh, let's see, Sundays at 10 to noon is the Lazy Brunch Hour, followed by Sass and Brass, uh, 4 p.m. on Sundays, Shea in the Bay, 6 to 8, uh, The Immutables, uh, 10 to 12, Old Soul Radio, Monday... 10 to 12, Psycho Gutter. 12 to 2 on Monday, Transworld with George Bracey. 2 to 4, FEFY. Uh, 6 to 8 p.m., The Joke Workshop. 8 to 10 p.m. on Monday, uh, Forever Two Wheels. 10 to 12, okay. Um, on Tuesdays, 4 to 6, Unleash the Rain. 6 to 8 on Tuesdays, Bug House Square. Wednesday, 10 to 12, Morning Train, 12 to 2 on Wednesday, AltaCast, 6 to 8 on Wednesday, House of Pride, 8 to 10 on Wednesday, Regarding Sex, Thursday, 4 to 6, Kids Club Radio, 6 to 8 on Thursday, Shaggy Soul Breakdown, Friday, Friday, we've got the Weekly Review from 12 to 2, Women's Magazine from 2 to 4 on Friday, and the Common Thread you're listening to right now. Pam's Happy Hour Open Mic comes up at 6 to, and runs till 8. Also Friday, then from 8 to 10, Pam Catastics Comedy Clubhouse. Um, and then on Saturday, 10 to 12, Labor and Love. 12 to 2, Flat Black Plastic. 4 to 6 on Saturday, The Mission Statement. Saturday, 6 to 8, 
sounds from the street in the p.m. 6 to 8 p.m. is sounds of the street on Saturdays. And then 10 to 12 midnight on Saturday nights is heterophobia. Folks, we got a lot of programs here as I've just rattled off. So... You want to keep these programs on the air and keep Mutiny Radio open. Uh, rent's getting pretty goddamn high in San Francisco, you know, and uh, we broadcast to 10,000 of you, I understand. And I just imagine if every single one of you sent in a money order made out to Mutiny Radio for a dollar or more, because, you know, I mean, we don't, I don't want to sound like we're begging, but we get our, con- we, we keep our doors open because of the, the uh, of local support and from listeners like you. So, if you want, we want to be able to hear them. We, we got to make sure they hear this, folks. If you want to keep, if you want to keep, uh, Mutiny Radio open, feel free to send $1 or more in, a, in the form of a check or money order to Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street, San Francisco, California, 94110. Once again, that is Mutiny Radio. The address is Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street, San Francisco, California, 94110. Thank you very much, and feel free to uh, help support Mutiny Radio so we can bring that wonderful list of programs I gave to you. Thank you, James Conrad. And it's true. We have so many cool shows that happen here at the station, um, and uh, we're happy for any support you want to give. And we're actually going to be part of Noise Pop um, Festival, which is coming up in August. I think it's August 24th. So there's going to be a whole day of programming there. It's a great chance for you to come down to the station right here at the corner of 21st and Florida. We're going to be a block away from the Noise Pop Block Party, which is on 20th Street between Bryan and Harrison. And, uh, yeah, we hope you can come down and join us. So thank you. And uh, and, uh, I want (laughs) to – there's a lot going on out there. <laughs> Maybe um, so. Our next guest is Sarah Powell. We're going to be talking for a few minutes, but then maybe Rainbow can get set up to play a song. And then uh, I, I don't know your name, but I see you have a guitar. So, what's your name? You're backing up Rainbow. Nice. Well, maybe you guys can get set up and to play next, which will happen in a, a few minutes' time. In the meantime, here in. Here in the the, the, the relatively calm. relatively relative, relative, thank you <laughs> took the words out of my mouth or put the ones I wanted in there Sarah Powell thanks for coming back oh my pleasure Val it's good to be here so how's it been last week you were with us after coming back from Greece and Turkey working with the refugees showing up on the shores you're back here in San Francisco how's that transition going for you uh. Well, I've gotten over my jet lag. Uh, the thing that I don't really suffer culture shock much. I, I'm used to moving around, did it all my life, but um, money shock. Holy cow, San Francisco is so expensive. Yeah, um, truly, truly. <laughs> with, without even spending anything, you spend. Yeah, it seems like money just falls out of your pockets it's, at every turn. It's crazy, and it's and it's sad to see the continued gentrification. Of course, uh, the Popeyes building gone. That uh, my erstwhile landlord, who totally 
screwed me over big time constantly owned that building as well is that where the uh where kaleidoscope was or oh, no i no, was, was the, the 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 mm, Kaleidoscope was at 24th and Folsom. I'm okay. talking about the huge building at 22nd and Mission. Right, that right. That got burned down, funnily enough, right before, the day before fire inspection was due. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's yeah. a mess. That hole's a mess. Yeah. So the transition, I don't know. It's what it's put in my head is we're all refugees. Yeah. Tell us. So, yeah, and I was, I, during Women's Magazine today, I kind of touched upon there's been a, a report um, study that was put out by the Women's International League of Peace and Freedom, or WILP. Ah, uh, yes. W-I-L-P-F. It's really hard to say WILP. It is hard to say WILP. Um, but, <laughs> but they did help sponsor this uh, project. Um, they have this report that talks about the violations against women in Syria and the disproportionate impact of the conflict on them. Um, so you were there, um, kind of. Let's let's follow up with what some of the things we were talking about last week. Um, your work with the refugees and uh, the, some of the organizations that people could possibly contact and and work with and support. Right. Um, that one's a little bit difficult. Uh, things have changed radically since the March twentieth agreement, EU Turkey, European Union Turkey agreement. Um, what What is that agreement exactly? What that agreement basically said was that, well, in the lead up to that agreement, borders had been closing for different nations. Uh, at the beginning, they were open to a... They, I don't, th I don't know if they even really specified nations at the beginning. They were, they were open to certainly many nations. They were open to Syrians. They were open to Iraqis. They were open to Iranians. They were open to Afghans, people who were f fleeing the 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 flaming mess that um, the Middle East is now, almost in its entirety. And but the borders began closing one by one to to various nationalities and various national borders each began closing one by one and so this agreement basically said that syrians mostly they're the the biggest category and iraqis and i think afghans uh those who arrived in greece prior to march 20 would be able to stay in greece and apply for asylum there because all the other borders had closed. So it was still Europe, but it was Greece, not going on to Germany or many of the other countries that people had, had hoped to, to reach. Um, personally, I like Greece, but of course it's economically in very bad shape. Uh, and this crisis hasn't really helped it much it's been a the tourism is way down i heard reports of like 80 percent on the other hand unhcr uh msf medicine sans frontiere doctors without borders various ngos were spending a lot of money there uh volunteers were spending a lot of money there right uh which may have offset that to some degree, but there was also a huge, huge drain on the Greek government running the camps, so forth. So the March 20 agreement said that anybody who from those groups who were there prior to March 20 
would be allowed to apply for asylum in Greece. Uh, the Greek government, the Greek army, hastily threw up a lot of camps in mainland Greece. They evacuated all the pre-March 20 refugees from the islands to the mainland, stuck them in these camps. The problems with the camps is they had nothing. They had no distribution organization set up, uh, no f- not enough food, uh, not enough people working. Often the tents didn't have floors. They were on gravel over mud holes. Uh, some of them had no running water. Virtually none of them had Wi-Fi or electricity, which a lot of people have, you know, said, well, they don't need that. But it's only it's the only way the refugees have of staying in touch with relatives, of uh, getting money sent, of all kinds of things, um, finding records that may have been lost at sea, all kinds of things. But also, to in order to apply for asylum, you had to have a Skype interview. Well, it's a little hard to have a Skype interview without Wi-Fi or electricity. So, that was a mess. Um... And then the rest of the deal says that those arriving on or after March 20 will be detained and deported back to Turkey. I think certain ones of them, Syrians especially, will be allowed to apply for asylum, but immediate detention on arriving on Greek shores for everybody who arrived March 20 or after. So now they're beginning to, their camps beginning to grow in Turkey from the deportees. The earliest deportees are all the ones who arrived prior to March 20, but were from countries that were by some insane permutation deemed safe like pakistan right i don't know how anybody's calling pakistan safe right obama's been drone bombing it for eight years now uh and that's not even going into anything else so uh and then the rest of the deal which is really weird and creepy said that for those who arrived march 20 or after and were deported back to Turkey they would be traded one human being for one human being with Syrians who did not attempt to make the crossing from Turkey to Greece so there's a little bit of weird uh, human trafficking going on there as far as I'm concerned Um, and you have to I don't know you have to apply to UNHCR for a program and so forth so and the upshot is that everybody who attempted it after March 20 is in detention. Everybody who came before March 20 has now been essentially abandoned with no resources whatsoever. They cannot work. They cannot uh, have a bank account. Right. Locally, they they're kind they're of stuck. They're they, stuck. They're kind of they're nationless at this they're, point. They're stateless people, and what's more, they no longer have refugee camps supplying them with food electricity shelter water toilets it's horrible people are turning i heard it first when i was in athens on my way home but then uh, the guardian came out with a story maybe a week or later or something 
people are turning the refugees are turning to prostitution yeah they're turning men and to women hard drugs they're turning they're doing whatever they can to survive and there's like 35 to 40,000 of them running around like that it's untenable it's a mess so you you talked about what groups you can join that's a little still up in the air mm-hmm. um the ngos are still there they're doing some things but without camps there's no massive outpouring of support and, um, and, and you're saying that there's the, without camps now on the islands like lesbos the, like they've moved them on to the mainland they moved the prior to march 20 arrival uh, right onto the mainland okay the camps are still there on the islands uh-huh. or at least the the official camps are still there on the islands but they have become detention centers and getting them getting the people ready to be deported back to turkey where the boats were coming from initially exactly exactly what a mess it's a mess and so and when they became detention centers unhcr pulled out msf pulled out danish refugee council pulled out they all pulled out wow so being a volunteer right now is a little more difficult in greece um we did have to register with the police uh, from the time I got there in early January. Then it became a little more intense, a little more intense. Now you really can't do anything. You can't start a camp without official sanction, this, that, the other. So yeah. the one group I was with, Better Days for Moria, I don't know. I haven't kept up that much. Uh, my phone was stolen, so I can't, I'm not in the groups anymore. Um, have moved to near Thessaloniki, I believe, and they're operating under Better Days Together because Moria was the name of the registration camp. I don't know how legally they're operating or if they're just set up to help. Yeah. Uh, there's a group called Health Point Foundation. If you're a doctor, a nurse, a dentist, any kind of healthcare worker, Health Point Foundation is still working. Uh, the big NGOs don't really take volunteers much. Um, maybe if you're on the ground there occasionally, but mostly they're paid staff. Um, a friend of mine is attempting to get uh, a new camp permission and funding, which I hope he will get for a new camp uh, to be set up on mainland Greece that he would like to be a long-term camp um, because they need long-term help. Asylum requests, despite uh, many avowals that they would be quick, you know, fast-tracked and quick processes, yeah, uh, are not happening. No, uh, and some of those people have been there for years at this point. Some of these people have been well. There's most a lot of people, people in came limbo. Early passed on. Uh, the registration camp was a transit camp. Most people didn't stay over 24 hours. Yeah, and then they had they to go on foot to the border of Macedonia. Sometimes to... they had to go on foot to the border. There were also buses. They had to pay for the bus, though. They paid for every step along the way. Oh These people who made it that far have enormous resources within themselves, but they're out of resources outside themselves. And even if there are no official groups set up right this minute i guarantee that if you go to greece there are things you can do to help if you can't find a group with official sanction to join 
rent a cheap apartment in Athens and let some refugees live there, cook yeah. meals. There are squats set up that are housing about 4,000 people, mostly comprised of families. Wow. Which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing that there can be squats housing 4,000 people, but it's still a drop in the bucket. But still, they're cooking meals. You can go cook. You can go take, you know, there are warehouses all over Greece with clothes that need distributing. There are things that can still be done and need to be done. Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you for bringing in uh, the reports, the updates for this ever-changing situation this, that um, just seems to be, oh, it just kind of seems endless at this point. Um, it's enormous, and it's not going away any, anytime soon. No, and that's part of what our our community, our international community can do to pull together. And, and if you want to go volunteer to go do some of the things that Sarah just mentioned and uh, find the people who are, who are trying to help and, and uh, be, be part, of the, part of that team, part of that network. If you want more details, you can always friend me on Facebook. Sarah Powell. Sarah Powell without an H and my profile picture is a picture I took in Greece at a protest. It's a kite that says no one is illegal. No one is illegal. That is a good message for us here on the Common Thread Collective, as, uh, as Diamond Dave would, would say if he were here, you know, um, borders are just a line on their map. Exactly. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, keep coming through when you, when you can. Give us updates. And we want to keep this conversation going so that even though it's kind of drifted out of the the top uh, news stories, um, it's still something that is happening and, and we need to really uh, pay attention to it. Um, uh, there was a, I, I saw that um, actually there's a, a new team on the Olympics and it's the, it's the no nations team. That's a team of refugees that the, that the Olympic council has, has, uh, put together so that people who are nationless, like from Syria and some people from like South Sudan, um, actually, you know, who hold refugee status will still get to compete in the summer games. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Huh? So I think that diamond Dave is on the phone. Am I right, Dave? Well, this is indeed uh, Diamond Dave, and I'm here in the Buckhouse at Dickytown, a really great bookstore, and there's a really amazing poetry going on, poetry reading going on. And, and in fact, they're taking a special break, so if, uh, my, my Thomas R. Smith could read one of his poems alive and coming at you right now, and the people are having a little five-minute break to talk to one another and get over, and then he's going to go back there and read to this group of, uh, of uh, poetry lovers another half hour. But here he be. Here's uh, Thomas R. Smith in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Diggy Town at the Book House, and here's the poem. Take it away, Thomas. Mm. This is a poem called The Girl Who Sang with Lead Belly, and I dedicate this to Diamond Dave because I think he even might know about this event. The Girl Who Sang with Lead Belly. In November 1948, someone recorded the great folk singer at a house party on the University of Minnesota campus in Minneapolis. Lead Belly is gracious throughout, the gentle giant. At the end, he even guides a very young girl through a sing-along of his most famous song, Good Night Irene, a hit for the Weavers in 1950, six months after his death. The Weavers don't 
include the morphine verse, but Lead Belly does in this performance. The unidentified girl's voice is small, on pitch, and piercingly high, like a kitten's. It's touching to hear her hang in there, so gamely with this man who once killed another in prison in self-defense, the ex-convict and the little girl singing in unison. Everything mean and hard in the man's life seems to drain away in the immense kindness of their duet. That little girl must be in her 70s now, listening. I wonder how her life went from there. Was she in some way changed by singing this song so primal it seems to have always existed with its half-mythical author? Does she count it to her happiness and satisfaction, that bright column beside the darker column of disappointment and sorrow? Is that woman still alive? Does she still sing, Good night, Irene? And if you're out there listening and you know who this is, tell me who she is. I've been looking for her for a long time. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Dave. Oh, it's so beautiful. Wow. Hey, now. That was lovely. That was lovely. Well, lovely is right. We have a lovely now. He's going back. The reaching to reaching out. It's a nice crowd here in a small place. <laughs> hey, folks, if you ever get a chance to come to Minneapolis, Minnesota, come to Dickytown. This be the book house. Many rooms and a labyrinth of, room, of uh, rooms with really fine, interesting books. Well, that's great. Uh, good, uh, good night, Irene. You're at the, you're here in Minneapolis way back then. Maybe. Just maybe, Val, you can find that in the cloud. If you're not the Lead Belly version. You never know. The, the, girl, the girl who sang with Lead Belly might be listening to MutinyRadio.fm. You That's never know. <laughs> we do have thousands of listeners from the Common Thread Collective around the planet. And uh, pass it on. Pass it on. Well, Dave, I'm so glad you called back. And, and thank you, thanks to, to Thomas R. Smith for that for that poem that he got to read himself. I'm happy you're there oh, at the book house in uh, Dinky Town. And uh, we've got Rainbow, who's up there on the stage and he's going to sing us a couple oh, songs back. We were worried as to where Rainbow was. he's right in front people. of us hey fellow human beings I just want to say I'm going to be gone. Monday I'm getting back on the train and heading east and next Friday I might be in Brooklyn with my daughter uh, goddess only knows but hopefully uh, I'll be able to uh, we'll be able to do this once again with Val you you holding it down and uh, you holding it down right there and me as a far-flung correspondent uh, over here uh, out there on the east coast may well be in Brooklyn on my way to the Rainbow Gathering and I think we're, we're going to take off uh, this uh, week after but we'll be back is that all right is that right Val? that's right we're going to be doing a show next Friday and then the following oh, Friday is man. July 1st we're going to be taking a break on July 1st uh, so no live show that gathering. day and I'll be up at the gathering. You'll be and, at the uh, gathering. The, and hopefully it's a Friday on my way to Philadelphia, Philadelphia to feed the people during the Democratic Convention and welcome the delegates coming out, having done what they came to do. Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. Can't wait to hear. The beat will go on. Can't wait and to get reports from there. The beat goes on. Thank you, Diamond Dave. Oh, hold on. Before you go, before you go here's uh, Kristen. She's the owner here. She's just having a beer of the book house. Kristen. This is live in San Francisco and beyond. Say hello to the people. How great. Thanks so much, Diamond Dave, for being here with us tonight. We've really enjoyed your presence and, uh, and your wisdom. Thanks so much.
Thanks, Kristen. Wise and dumb. But anyway, here I am. And that was Kristen. She's the one who put this together, the, the book house, and it's a beautiful place uh, to come to drop on by. Nice. Well, if if you're coming through Minneapolis, maybe you're heading out there to the Rainbow Gathering in the Green Hills of Vermont, and you end up and you find yourself in Minneapolis. Check out the Book House. And speaking of Rainbow, Rainbow, our friend is back and is going to sing us a couple songs. So welcome, good to see you. Thanks for having me, Val. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, my friend. Fred's gonna help me out on one of these numbers. All right. And I'd like to dedicate this song to uh, the poor folks from Orlando. It's called Grim Reaper.
coming to a theater near you. <laughs> Rainbow. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, Thank you. do you have one more kind of short one? Oh, yeah, sure. Got a short one. All right. Rock on, Rainbow.
thanks to everybody. Thanks for being here and being part of the Common Thread Collective here today, June 17th, 2016, streaming live around the planet from, uh, oh, I was gonna, that's uh, all right. Um, sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Oh, we're just making the transition here. Stay tuned because uh, the the uh, comedy happy hour is coming up next. Um, so anyhow, thanks everybody for being part of the Common Thread Collective. It's been a beautiful show. Um, and uh, we'll see you again next Friday. Here's a little poem to take you out. Take time. Take time to breathe in the pulsing energy of rocks. Mineral frequencies drawn into my being center me through the moving waters that propel in the swell of the mounting winds. Clouds house only shifting memories, but the hot rocks I carry within me into every turn, even as the stars fall into my eyes. Peace, everybody. I'm Global Val. See you next week here on the Common Thread Collective Mutiny Radio. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Want to go to Burning Man, but you don't have the right goggles, costume, or attitude? Visit 20 Mission Hive at 2415 Mission Street between 20th and 21st in the heart of the Mission District. Easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship to your 20 Mission Hive vendor for a special 10% discount on the coolest, most original items in San Francisco. That's 20 Mission Hive with eight vendors and like them on Facebook at 20 Mission Hive. 20 Mission Hive for awesome events and updates. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. 
when Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio. That is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment where in both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini. And creamy, delicious mac and cheese. You like tacos? Then get them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue. San Francisco is located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son. Subliminal F 
SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Um, oh, happy hour. What could be happier than 23 comics doing jokes for each other and at a radio listening audience? Puppets, kittens, unicorns, porn maybe? Oh, well, stage time makes them happy and this super happy comedy open mic is open every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. But you can also listen anytime by downloading the podcast at Mutiny Radio FM Index at podcasts.pcrcollective.org So come live or listen later. (laughs) 